So we're in Matthew chapter 5. Let's go ahead and uh, pray over the word this morning. Jesus, thank you that you are alive and well. That you're not just hanging on the, on the wall somewhere as an ornament. You're not in a picture just to remind us of some image that we hope is true. But Jesus, you're alive and well. You're moving, changing, changing lives, Lord, making things happen, Father, revealing who you are every day. So Jesus, we ask you to speak to us today. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. Speak to our hearts. Open the word today, Lord. Make it relevant to where we are, Father, I pray. Open our eyes so that we see its relevancy. Thank you, Jesus, for it. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So again, I hope to start a series in the month of August on the Beatitudes. And so I'm still kind of laying a foundation. Last week I talked about verse 2 of chapter 5. He opened his mouth and he taught them. But I do want to go back to verse 1 and just talk some more out of, out of verse 1 before we get into the Beatitudes starting in verse 3. So chapter 5, verse 1 says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he had sat down, his disciples came to him. There's a lot here in this verse. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, I just want to encourage you that there are no filler verses in the Bible. Oftentimes when we're reading, we're, we get a it's like, okay, let's, get, let's jump down to where the red is, and we can just breeze through this black words here and just ignore them because the red's what's important. But I want to tell you, this right here preaches a lot, and let me show you. Seeing the crowds. So Jesus looks out and he sees the crowds. This word in the Greek is used multiple times, and it's always referring to the multitude. Sometimes it's used in a positive way. Sometimes it's used in a derogatory way, meaning just a group of people who aren't, uh, aren't unified. It's kind of chaotic. They're uneducated. They're just the, the crowds. Sometimes it's more in a, in a normal way. It's just meaning a group of people. But it's used a lot, and Jesus interacts with the crowds quite a bit. If you look through the uh, Gospels, you'll see that he always taught the crowd in parable. He always spoke to them in parables. He had compassion on the crowds several times. There were several different places where it said he had compassions on the crowds and he healed them. There were several times when Jesus fed the crowds, like literally, physically fed them. There were several times when Jesus rebuked the crowds. Like one time after he fed them, he said, listen guys, I'm not here to feed you physically constantly because that's all you're here for me. You just want physical food. I'm here to bring you spiritual food. He rebukes them once. There were times when he put the crowd out. When he uh, went to heal the, um, the daughter of the temple, the, the head of the uh, synagogue. When he went to raise her from the dead. There was a crowd there. And it said, when he had put the crowd out, then he went to her and laid hands on her. So there's times when he just kicks the crowd out. Okay, get out, move, move, everybody out, everybody out. 
Jesus interacts with the crowds in different ways. Often he left the crowd to get into a solitary place. So when you, when you read this in the big context of the Gospels, you'll see how Jesus related to the crowd. And I'll give you two points from that. Jesus was not in the crowd. Jesus wasn't in the crowd. And that tells me that we are not, as followers of Christ, to worry about whether or not we are in the crowd. And there's a lot of crowds. Join the crowd. Join the movement. Jesus didn't work in the crowd. Jesus worked outside of the crowd and spoke to the crowd. He wasn't in the crowd. And Jesus wasn't of the crowd. He wasn't of the crowd. Politicians speak to the crowd. They follow the crowd. They're of the crowd. They want to know where the crowd is moving so that they can ride that wave of momentum. I think I've told you this before, but in sociology, the belief is in sociology that politicians are actually not leaders. They're just representations of where the culture is. So if you don't like your politicians, look in the mirror, according to a sociologist. They just reflect you. Ouch. Well, they're just jerks and extremes and this and that and this and that. Well, maybe we as a culture have gone to the point where we've allowed ourselves to be there. We're not reflecting Jesus. So we as believers should not be in that crowd or of that crowd. We are to be like Jesus. He didn't lead out of crowd thought. He saw the crowd. He related to the crowd. He ministered to the crowd. He rebuked the crowd. He led the crowd. But he didn't lead the crowd out of the way the crowd thought. He led the crowd out of who he was. And he called the crowd, cloud, to move to become followers of him. We as a crowd don't follow Jesus. We individually seek to become disciples of him. And our faith can't be in the crowd mode. If it is, as soon as you leave this building, it's like you step out of your Christianity and you step into who you really are. And when you come into the crowd of this, this crowd right here, when you step into it, oh, I love, I love being a believer and following Jesus and, and experiencing the presence of God. And then we step out of and back into, well, dang, you know. Then we're just doing church instead of being church. When you be church then when you walk out, you're still following Jesus. You're the light. It's the light dispersing. Comes here, all the lights come together and it shines really bright because everyone is a piece of a light. And then when we go out, the light just spreads. So Jesus never, uh, never pays a lot of attention to the crowd besides having compassion and to speak to them and try to grab the individuals because he loves individuals. He's not looking to ride the crowd's momentum, okay? So seeing the crowd 
He left. Do you see the difference? So when you're trying to uh, reach those around you or, or love on people, the crowd is one way to do it, but the vast majority of time it is leaving the crowd and coming into more of an individual or a close praxis. Yes, that's the word. Bless Jesus. Something else that I noticed that was quite unique, uh, whenever it talks about the crowd and Jesus, it never mentions fear. But when it mentions the Pharisees or the religious leaders or the political leaders, they feared the crowd, it says. But it never says Jesus feared the crowd, so he... It never says that. But it says that for the religious leaders and the political leaders. They were afraid to do X because they feared the crowd. As leaders, as followers of Christ, we can't be so in tune and so worrying about the crowd that we are afraid to do and be who Jesus has called us to be because of our fear of man or our fear of losing influence or our fear of losing power because we gain our influence and power from the crowd. No, we gain our influence and power from Jesus. Okay? So what did he do then? Seeing the crowds, he goes up on the mountain. He leaves the crowds and he goes up on the mountain. Going up on the mountain, the mountain is the place of authority. It's the position that belongs to him. It's a place of prayer and worship. It's a place of peace and solitude. He gets out of the crowd and he gets into the position that he has in the Father. He leaves the doing and he gets into the being. You are called to come up onto the mountain. Following Jesus means at times stepping aside from the crowd and getting away with the Lord. Ephesians 1, I wanted to read this to you, because this is what Paul prays over you. It's what he wrote to the church in Ephesus. Now, uh, we have been, Jill and I, we went to uh, Anatalia, Anatalia, Antalya, Turkey, which is down on the, kind of the, Turkey's a little bit of a, like that, and it's in the corner of the Mediterranean Sea, and it's a small town, and it's not far from Perga, uh, which is mentioned in the New Testament. It's one of the cities there. And uh, Ephesus is around the bend over toward Greece. But they sold, they sold stuff in Antalya from Turkey, and it was mostly pornographic stuff. It was a lot of idols, pornographic idols, uh, from Ephesus, because Ephesus was the the sex center, you know. So this is what he's writing to the church that's located there in this area, which has a lot of worldliness. And he tells them, verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is Ephesians 1, 16 through the end. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that you would know him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. He wants you to come up the mountain and understand his authority. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the workings of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him a head over all things towards the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Basically, he's saying to you is Jesus has all power and authority. He's been seated up on the mountain and you're seated there with him. And I want you to understand this, Paul says, so that when you're in the midst of the situations, when you're midst, in the midst of the struggles of life, you remember where I am and where you are in me. So that you relate to that situation, not as in the middle of the crowd, but where I am on the mountain. Perspective. Jesus left the crowd and he went up the mountain. If you're trying to solve the problems, if you're trying to relate, if you're trying to walk it out, and you're in the middle of the crowd, you're not going to have the perspective you need. It's going to take time to go up the mountain and hear from the Lord and see his perspective. Jesus goes up the mountain. This is so important that Paul actually repeats it a second time in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. You can read earlier. He just talks about how bad you were before you came to Christ. It's all true. He said, but in verse 4, but God, who is so rich in mercy because of the great love which he's loved you, even when we were dead in all of our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ together. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised you up with Christ and seated us in Christ in the heavenly places. He took us out of the crowd because we got our eyes on him. Took us out of the crowd and placed us up on the mountain. So when we wake up and we discover ourselves in the middle of the crowd, we need to stop and go, Jesus, okay, I need to focus on you and get my heart on you, get my heart set on you, and go up the mountain and hear from you. Because I don't live in the midst of the crowd. I don't follow the direction of the crowd. The crowd is not my guide. It is not my authority. It is not my influence. It's not my mission in life. To do this, you have to recognize and acknowledge God's lordship and his authority. That's like the first step. This is how you actually got saved, guys. This was like the first step. You acknowledged that God was God. 
And you made a decision, okay, I want to go up the mountain. I want to experience this. I want to know who he is. The first beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who realize they ain't got it. And the crowd isn't enough. Blessed are those that become humble. They realize they're poor. Not physically poor, not materially poor, not geographically poor. They're poor in spirit. I cannot save myself. I am, my life is messed up and I cannot solve my problem. And when that happens, you begin to look for help and you look up. My eyes go up to the hills from whence my help comes. Jesus goes up the mountain to set it down that he is the answer. Jesus is the solution you're looking for. So seeing the crowds, he goes up the mountain. And of course, I just love it. He sits down. And when he sat down, the significance of the fact that he sat down. And Jesus left the crowd and he went up the mountain and he paced to and fro worrying, rubbing his hands back and forth, wondering how he would ever be able to do. No. He goes up the mountain and he sits down. Jesus sits down because the work is finished. Jesus sits down because he's resting in the promises of the Father. Jesus sits down because he's not striving to make it happen. He responds when the Spirit tells him to do something. This is where we grow in, folks. We grow into this maturing in Christ into greater and greater detail. Like this week, I had my, uh, how am I going to pay all these bills? Striving, worried, anxious. Lord speaks to me. I got this map. Can you trust me? And I was like, okay, Lord, that means that if I trust you, that I have to sit with you and not try to figure out how I'm going to finagle this without, you know, I'm just going to trust you. And I'll respond and do what you tell me to do, which is hard for me, you know. And he says, yes, sit here. Why don't you sit here a while? Okay, I'm going to sit here. You know. And he works with me, and slowly but surely, as the days go by, everything's taken care of. And then he goes, you know, imagine had you been worrying and striving that entire time. Wouldn't it have been a waste of a lot of energy? And I was like, yes, yes, Jesus, that would have been a waste of a lot of energy. You're, you are totally right. I'm so glad this time I sat still. No matter what the area is, trusting in the Lord and responding when he says. Jesus sat down. For us to do that, it's a lot like the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn. It's those who realize they don't have enough. Those who are sad and go to the Lord and say, Jesus, I need your help. 
Will you take care of this need? I'm not trying to fix it myself anymore. I'm releasing this issue to you, Lord. Will you comfort me? And he's like, yeah, I love comforting you. I'm the good shepherd. Remember that psalm I had David write, Psalm 23? That's for you right now. I got this. The power of Jesus, the work of the cross, the power of the blood, it is sufficient. And that's what we rest in. We rest in his sufficiency. That little verse that I can do all things through Christ isn't just an Instagram moment. It is the power by which we sit next to Jesus. And the other really good verse there that he's able to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's able to meet every need that is possibly before you at the moment. Rest in him. Amen, Stephen. Absolutely. The last part of the verse here, you see Jesus seeing the crowd. I'm not going to be led by them. I'm not of them. I'm not in them. I'm going up the mountain. I'm going to remind everyone my power and authority and who I am. I'm going to sit down to communicate to them that it is finished. And then what happens? And his disciples came to him. To be a disciple of Christ is to follow Jesus. Yes, Jesus pursues us and he reaches our hearts and he comes after us. But to follow Jesus, to be his disciple, means we actually follow him, not sit on our rear ends and expect him to move to us all the time. You know, there's a difference there. It's not a self-centered thing, following Jesus. It's not, yes, Jesus is my personal Savior. He changes and develops to do everything that I need. It is I am following Jesus. I bring him my heart. I say, man, look at this. He goes, you know what? I love you. Let's change it. Let's conform you into my image so that you can be free. Let's break this off of you and break that off of you. Break off this belief. Break off that attitude. Break off this generational curse. Let's change your DNA here. Let's heal your body. Let's say this about your identity. Because this is who I am. Who does that? Isn't that nice? Yes, Lord, it is. Following him. They came to him as we come to the throne. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Where we can come boldly to the throne and receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of needs. We receive the ability, the mercy to be able to come right on in and the grace, the power, and everything that we need to fulfill. It isn't just, I love you. It is, I love you and woof. Let's liberate you. Well, what if I keep falling over and screwing up and 
Well, Jesus had this wonderful time where he told Peter, how many times do you forgive your brother? And Peter said, well, I guess it's seven times seven. And Peter said, how about seven times, seven times, seven times, seven times, you know, just innumerable. 490 times a day or 490 times an hour, whatever it was. So basically it is, if you're messing up, just keep going back to Jesus. Keep getting it right with Jesus. Come to the throne. 1 John 1, 9 says, if, if you've sinned, come to the throne and repent. Get it dealt with. Jesus leaves the crowd, goes up the mountain, sits down, and we go, man, I want to be with him. And I come up. Teach me, Lord. I've left the crowd. He left the crowd and goes up the mountain. I say, I don't want to be in the crowd. I want to be with Jesus. So I leave the crowd and climb up the mountain to his place of authority. And I sit down next to him. I don't listen as I'm walking around, rubbing my hands. Get him, Jesus. Get him. You got to get him, Jesus. You got to get him. No, you sit down and you be quiet and you listen to me. You see that it's both there? It's not only Jesus coming to a place of authority. It's us coming into the place where Jesus is. Me choosing to come into his presence. Me choosing to let go of things. Because you can't carry. I got this big old offense bag that I carry on my back. And I walk up the mountain to Jesus. You'll never get up there. You let go of offenses. You let go of unforgiveness. You let go of bad beliefs. You come to Jesus and you say, here I am, Jesus. Teach me. And Jesus begins to teach. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is strength under control. Submission. It's where you are kneeling at the feet of Jesus... Jesus, you are my Lord. I follow you. I don't do what I want. I don't pursue my dreams. I pursue your dreams for me. Now, the balance of that is often the dreams that you have are a twisted form or an incorrect sort of form of what he has for you. And what he has for you is far better than you could even hope or imagine. And what you're looking to fulfill in your life from your dreams, he actually gives you something that does fulfill that area of your life. So it's good to follow Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Seeing the crowd, he went up on the mountain and he sat down. We, his disciples, Leave the crowd, go up the mountain, and sit down. And then he begins to pour into us. The more often you do that, the more he will pour into you. And it's real simple to do. Driving, down your, driving your car down the road. Jesus, speak to me. Because you know, it's not a physical thing. It is aligning yourself with the Lord, reminding yourself, okay, Jesus, here I am. 
I'm your servant. Speak to me. It's before you get in bed. I don't know. Kneel down, pray, grab your Bible, read a few verses. Uh, however you want to do it. I'm not telling you to try to be religious. But find the way that works for you to go up the mountain and sit at Jesus' feet. Find that way. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. If it's podcast, do it. If it's at the football game, do it. Do it as you're mowing the lawn. You know, whatever it is, do it. And get with Jesus and hear him because he wants to set you free. He wants to speak life into you. He wants to liberate you from the lies of the enemy and deliver you from the crowd, from groupthink. Crowdthink. Let your light shine. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. I believe the Lord wants to speak to you. Why don't we take a few minutes and just allow the Lord to speak to us this morning. Thank you, Lord. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You are the light, the salt of the earth, and the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Father, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful church. Thank you, Father, that you ordained our name change to Kairos, Father, which is a time when you move on the earth. Thank you, Father, for each and every Kairos moment that you planned in each of these members' lives, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your sufficient grace being right there for those Kairos moments, bringing healing, bringing overcoming, bringing victory, Father. Expanding your kingdom, Father, in each of their lives, Lord. 
revealing your strength, your power. Jesus, revealing who you are and your identity, Father. Breaking things off, Father, that, uh, you know, that the, the Satan speaks and says, oh, that's always going to be part of you. I thank you, Lord, things falling off, breaking off, breaking off, breaking into freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that you are powerful, Father, and you speak, Father. Mountaintop vision. Mountaintop vision. Mountaintop vision. That's what I just keep hearing. Keep seeing out way over the hills. You got it, guys. The Lord's giving you mountaintop vision. Write down what he tells you. Mountaintop vision. For the situation that you're facing right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I also see him revealing to you uh, which warehouse he's going to provide out of, whether it's the, uh, the gold, the frankincense, or the myrrh, the all-sufficiency that he has, what he's going to provide to do this situation so that you can agree with it. Okay, Lord, I'm an ambassador. I know I've got my mission. I know my provision. And so I'm going to begin to declare what you said, Lord Jesus, over this situation. Yeah, Lord, I declare what you say, Lord Jesus. I agree with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Your good and perfect will being done. Thank you, Father. Bless your name, Lord. Amen, and amen, and amen. Amen. Guys, be encouraged. Uh, spend time with the Lord. Get worship music on. Listen to Jesus. Let him give you his eyes for what's going on. Get up on the mountain because he's got it for you, okay? I love you. Be blessed.